0: Uh, We're in journey through Genesis, and this is part 20, Genesis 22, part 2, and Genesis 23, part 1, and I want to say a prayer as we get started in this tonight. Father, thank you so much for your word. Your word is a lamp. It is a light. It guides us. It instructs us. It corrects us. Lord, it reveals you to us. It reveals us, to us, Lord, it shows us reality and truth, and I pray, God, that you would just shine your light, illuminate your word, pray that you would show us truth there. We give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. All right, we are in Genesis 22, and I can't quite leave this story yet, so This is going to be some review with some additions, uh, just some things that I can't get away from. I was praying about this, Lord, would you please help me to see, I know there's more in this. And I feel like I've gotten a little bit more insight into Genesis 22. So this is some review with some additional stuff, and we'll move forward through the story. But this is back when Abraham offered up Isaac, his son. So we'll start with verse 1. came to pass after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Now take your son, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the Mount of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So after these things, we looked at that last time. After Hagar and Ishmael were kicked out, after there was a covenant made with this Canaanite king, then it says God tested Abraham. I spent a great deal of time on this. God tested Abraham with his word. He said to him. God tested him saying to him. God tested him with his word, and he tests us with his word as well. God gave Abraham a word, an instruction, a command, He didn't ask Abraham what he thought about it. He didn't ask Abraham how he felt about this word. He didn't ask Abraham what others were saying about this word. He simply spoke this word to Abraham. Here's my word. The test was, will you obey it or not? When God gives you his word... He's not interested in what you think about it. He's not interested in what or how you feel about it. He's not interested in what others think about it. You don't take a poll and ask everybody, what do you think about this word? That's not what matters. What matters is that, thus saith the Lord. Isaiah 55 says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, in Isaiah 55, 7, it says, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord. And the explanation is because your thoughts are not my thoughts. My thoughts are so much higher than your thoughts. You know, we have the North Koreans just shot another ICBM. Went. It could cover 8,000 miles. It, it could cover anywhere in the United States. But they shot it instead of the trajectory going straight. They shot it up. It went up into space, way up into space way, way up into space, into the heavens, you could say. And and we have Hubble up there. We have satellites up there. And then we've gone to the moon and we've gone beyond. But the Lord says, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. I've flown in little airplanes at, you know, 3,000 feet, bigger airplanes at 5,000 feet, other airplanes at 10,000 feet. You fly commercial, they get to 10,000, and you can turn on your device as if we ever really turn it off, right? You know you play that game too. Please turn your phone off. Yeah, okay, whatever, you know. And so 10,000 feet, 30,000 feet, even higher than that, but the Lord says, my ways are higher than the heavens above the earth. So you forsake your ways. So when God told Abraham and when God tells us instructions, when he gives us his word, it's not, what do you think about it, Drew? It's like, this is my word. It doesn't matter what you think about it. It's like your kids. You tell your kids something. Kid, do this. Kid, don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Why, Daddy? Because I said so. Here's the reason why. This is why you need to do what I've told you to do. And, uh, you know, if I give the instruction to my kid as to why, Sabrina, my kid, don't always get that. So you finally get to the point you just like, shut up, just because I said so. I know. You know what I'm talking about, man? You, yeah, 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 because I said so. And that's the way it is with the Lord. Now, what God told Abraham, This is where I'm kind of stuck here for a little bit. It was such a difficult word. Take your son, your only son, the son you love. Offer him to me as a burnt offering. It's difficult. It's counterintuitive. I said this is the first mention of love in the Bible. It's the reference of a father's love for his only begotten son. Such a picture of Christ. Go to the land of Moriah, surround Jerusalem, to a mountain I'll show you. Offer him as a burnt offering. I spent a lot of time on that. Brutal request. Not, not just kill him, burn him up. I can't even imagine. Verse 3, so Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. I love this. He doesn't hesitate early in the morning. And and he he, he splits the wood, saddles his own donkey. He brings his son. Hebrew scholars say Isaac was possibly in his 30s. Again, fitting the pattern of Christ Jesus at the time of his crucifixion. Verses 4 through 5. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, the lad, and I will go yonder and worship and we'll come back to you. So Abraham calls this place of sacrifice a place of worship. This place of surrender to the word, a place of worship. Very powerful. And then prophetically, we will come back to you. Verses 6 through 8. Are you with me? We're going to cover some new ground. I thought I'd bring a little illustration for you as well. Verses 6 through 8. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac, his son, And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. He said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire, the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Again, this is prophetic utterance. Verse 8, And Abraham said, My son. God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the the two of them went together. This this phrase is used a couple of times, verses 6 and 8, went together. The Hebrew literally says the two of them went in agreement. I mentioned last time Amos 3, can two walk together unless they are agreed? I believe on this trip, on this journey, Abraham explained to him what he thought was going on. Son, there's this concept of the seed of the woman. You've heard me talk about it. Your mother and I are suspicious. We think you may be that son of promise, the seed of the woman. And if you are who I think you are, I'm going to plunge this knife in you, and I'm going to burn you to ashes. But trust me, son. God's going to put it all back together and raise you from the dead. And we see the complicity of Isaac as Isaac surrenders. Abraham is probably 125, 130 years old. Isaac is in his 30s. He can take the old man. But the man has the knife, and he ties up Isaac. I think Isaac willingly allowed himself to be tied up. And he's he's willing to put the knife in his son. This is interesting to me. Abraham has been following the Lord for over 50 years. And yet, there was more that God wanted to show to Abraham. I'm going to park here just for a moment. There was more that God wanted to show and reveal to Abraham. Most denominations are built around a particular doctrine, like some doctrine that was recovered or rediscovered, and that doctrine became the earmark of a group of people. For instance, the Baptists are associated with the doctrine of what? Baptism. Baptism. They had a different view, a recovered view of baptism. The Presbyterians had a recovery, a concept built around the doctrine of the Presbytery. Episcopalians around the Episcopus. The Pentecostals around the Pentecostal experience. And the non-denominational people gather with other non-denominational people and have a non-denominational denomination built around not affiliating with an old denomination. Is it true? It's very true. And, and there are others, and the temptation for all of these is to park there and never continue to progress, grow and move just an observation well you see we don't speak in tongues we're not Pentecostals well we'll baptize you because we're Baptists or we don't baptize, babies, because you see, we are Baptists, we baptize believers, we believe in believer's baptism, and so what will happen is, in all these schools of thought, we'll get stuck. The old saying is, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, so we'll get stuck, when really it was the hunger for more that led the founders of these denominations or movements to rediscover the truth where they ended up planting a flag and saying, this far and no more. So what I'm saying is this, and that happens to Pentecostals, to don't be misled. Even though we speak in tongues, apostolic doctrine, etc., core values there We don't have God fully figured out. Are you kidding me? I don't. And I'll take you through a Bible study. I'll give you everything I have. But I've learned the more I know, the more I don't know. He's big, y'all. He's good, y'all. Who can plumb the depths, right? One day I'll know as I'm known, but that ain't this day. I don't know as I'm known. One day I'm I'm looking forward to that. But what I'm saying is there's always more to discover. Abraham could have parked on the success of having had Isaac. That was a major breakthrough, a massive victory in redemption's plan. He could have started a denomination called The Isaacs, the Laughers, that's what the name means, laughter, he could have stopped right there, but this old man, Abraham, showed us how to get it done. He never stopped progressing, and the theological understanding that he had obtained after 50 years of walking with the one true and living God did not cause him To try to tell God what he was doing wrong. God says, Abraham, take your son, offer him a burnt offering unto me. Abraham didn't say, God, you've got this all wrong. Do you not understand this? It's only through Isaac that the promises will come to pass. You you need to hear me, God. I have this figured out. God didn't care about Abraham's opinion. God had a greater plan in mind. And so Abraham didn't let his own theological limitations dictate to him to try to tell God that he got the word wrong. Neither did he say, get thee behind me, Satan. I rebuke you, devil, right? When God said, take your son, your only son, and offer him as a sacrifice. He continued to let God be God. Let me just go ahead and say this right now. Let me encourage you. Let God be God. Don't get stuck in a moment. Don't plant your flag somewhere and think this is the end all be all. I've got God all figured out. There's more to God than you and I will ever figure out in a lifetime. He's constantly wanting to reveal himself to to us. Don't cut yourself off from deeper, further revelation of who he is. Abraham's the father of the faithful. He shows us how to walk faithfully. And the uh, results of Abraham's faithfulness were absolutely amazing. Are you with me? So let's pick up the story, verses 9 through 11. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there, placed the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand, took the El Salvador knife to slay his son. Church in El Salvador gave this to me. As they they do this to anybody that goes over there and ministers. Really, they gave me this little souvenir to me, and it's been in my office. So here's my El Salvador knife. Thank you, uh, brother, sister, Hal. And all of the El Salvador church. Okay, he he took the knife to slay his son, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, "Abraham, Abraham!" So he said, "Here I am." And he said, "Do not lay your hand on the lad, or do anything to him. For now, I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me." Then Abraham lifted his eyes, looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. So God knew that Abraham loved Isaac. God knows all things. God knew what was in Abraham's heart including the faith to follow through with this. This was not a test so God could somehow discern what was in Abraham's heart. How many of you know God knows what's in your heart? He knows. He knows. He's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. But the scripture says, because of Abraham's outward obvious obedience to the word of the Lord, take your son, off him a burnt offering. So he goes up the mountain. He's chopped the wood. <coughs> he takes the knife. And he's about to thrust it through his son. Obvious obedience to the word. Outward obvious obedience to the word. Now somebody else knew what was in Abraham's heart. And it was very plain English there. In the Hebrew it's the same. The angel of the Lord knew that Abraham feared God. There's a lot of controversy about who the angel of the Lord is. There are a lot of scholars and theologians that will say this is a pre-incarnate Christ. This is the Lord himself. But I kind of take it at face value. The angel of the Lord. It's confusing because he speaks on behalf of the Lord sometimes. Me. He'll say me. Uh, You've not withheld him from me. Uh, And in blessing, I will bless you. But we also see where angels speak prophetically on behalf of God. And I think that's what's taking place here. So the angel now knows angels watch we've talked about that they're called watchers in a lot of traditions Hebrew traditions as well Uh, they watch what we do with the word so I don't want to spend a lot of time on that I've already done that in the past but the angel now knows that Abraham fears God if a good angel knows that then the bad angels know that as well so the devil now knows that Abraham fears God. God, And now also, Abraham has no question, he now knows, he fears God. And when Abraham, this is, this is what I'm fixated on right now. When Abraham followed through on this very difficult word to obey, when he did this, it opened up fresh vistas. Revelation, if you will, for him. There is something about the pressure applied to his life by the word of God that caused Abraham to grow in his understanding, in his conclusions about the Lord. Look with me to Hebrews eleven. Because this tells the same story with a little more detail. Hebrews 11. Now, we'll start with verse 8, and we'll get the successful Abraham here who could have stayed at this place and built his own denomination called the Isaacs. Look at Hebrews 11:8. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. That word strength is dunamis, power. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Now, that is where they could have stopped. Bought a headquarters building, started ordaining ministers, started their own organization, been the superintendent, been the president, been the bishop. They could have stopped right there, but they didn't. Look at verses 17 through 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, everybody say tested. And what was he tested with? The word. When he was tested, offered up Isaac. So he obeys the word. That's how he was tested. Offer up Isaac. So he offers up Isaac. Passes the test. And he who had received the promises. So he's already got these promises. But he offers up his only begotten son. He takes it a step further. Of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called. Listen, verse 19, very important. Concluding that God, now this is new revelation. This is stuff he had not known for 50 years of following the Lord. He didn't know this right here. Folks, he was ignorant of this truth. Abraham, my man, Abraham, leave her to Chaldees. Leave your family. He struggles with that. He drags his family. He goes halfway. He doesn't go into Canaan. He struggles. He gets past that. He struggles some more. He he does dumb things, lies like a rug. I've preached about it. He he finally he finally gets in a covenant relationship with Almighty God, and then the first thing he does is he totally backslides, and he has the Hagar situation with Ishmael. And failure, great big disaster, and finally God changes his name, changes Sarah's name. Everything begins to change, and he has Isaac, and he's been following the Lord for fifty years. At the time of this test. And in 50 years he didn't know. What we're about to read. He did not know this. He was ignorant. He didn't have a Bible study. Nobody preached this to him. He didn't know this. Until he obeyed a word. That was difficult. A hard word. That he didn't understand. A hard word. That didn't make any sense. Now notice concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from which he also received him in a figurative sense. a Figurative sense. So to Abraham, Isaac, was offered up. The deed was as good as done. And that's the way God saw it too. Went with the knife, it was as good as done. And so to God, Isaac also and to Abraham was resurrected, raised from the dead. The deed was as good as done. So, God and Abraham received Isaac from the dead in a figurative sense. The Greek there is parabole, or we would say parabola. Parabola. It speaks of symmetry. If you know anything about geometry, and I don't, it, it speaks of symmetry, a parabola. And it, it means something uh, alongside something else. We see it in. Literature with Jesus teaching in parables. That's the word, parables. He he would tell an earthly story to illustrate a heavenly reality. So something called alongside to illustrate, to reveal. So Abraham has conclusions. He has facts. He gets revelation that God would raise Isaac from the dead. Where did that come from? It came out of the pressure to obey a difficult word and actually going through with it. Abraham only saw this truth because he bowed the knee to the word of God even though he didn't understand it. It was putting an immense amount of pressure on him. It was pushing him beyond his boundaries. I don't know if I can convey this to you the way I feel it tonight, but sometimes what God is asking you is not about what you think it's about. What he's asking you to do is not what you think it's about. And he doesn't even have to give you a satisfactory reason for you to do it. He doesn't have to explain it to you. He doesn't have to give you the ins and outs. But as you struggle through the obedience process and submit to God's word, then you're going to see something that you would not have seen otherwise. That's just the truth of the matter. And if you refuse to obey, you will not see what he was wanting to show you in the first place. In other words, he'll ask things of us, and we'll fight and bellyache, and we're like, I don't want to do that, and that goes against my family, that's against my tradition, that's against my denomination, that's beyond me. I I don't agree with that, doesn't make any sense. I've planted my flag here And I'm not moving any further. But when you make those kinds of decisions and you just stop right there, then when the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, I'm not saying get out of the Word, but in the Word, when God shows you truth, when God challenges you with His Word, you don't have to understand it. You just need to do it. And the doing will bring about an understanding. I mean, like, I'll just take water baptism, for instance water I am the biggest critic of water baptism Cindy it's crazy No disrespect Lord Jesus you know my heart but it, it, is it not it's H2O and we enhance it you know we put bath bombs in ours that's just a joke we really don't I did see where KFC came out with bath bomb Kentucky fried chicken has bath bombs I'm going to a a, a Santa party Uh, on Monday, and I thought, man, if I could get my hands on a KFC bath bomb, that would be my gift. But they only made a 100 of them, and it was in Japan, and you had to do this tweet thing, and I'm like, well, that's not going to happen. So I didn't get a KFC bath bomb. But, you know, baptism is just water. It doesn't make any sense at all. And I can fight, and I can shake my fist in the air, and I can say this is dumb, this doesn't make sense, I don't have to understand it, Wayne. I don't have to get it. I just got to do it. Why? The Lord said to. Now, we can go deep. Man, we can get theological. We can get Christological. We, 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 can, we can dive into it. No pun intended. But the bottom line is this. I don't have to understand it. I just got to do it. And that's the same way it is with the Word of God. Anything in the Word. When the word when the word challenges you, you just have to bow the knee, and the understanding, and and even the understanding. In other words, it it may not be understanding about baptism that you get when you submit to water baptism. You may may get other understanding that you would not have gotten had you not bowed the knee to water baptism. Are you with me? Tithes and offerings. I don't want to tithe. I don't want to give offerings. I got a, I got a problem with that. And we shake our fists. It's not. It's not about that. If if you bow the knee to that, it's opening yourself up to receive more from the Lord. It's it's being an open vessel. Yes, I am not Lord of my life. God's word, God is the Lord of my life, and he, if He's the Lord, where the word of a king is, there is power. I bow the knee to the word of the king. And that, and that is it just. I'm stunned. I'm stunned. I, I, successful had Abraham been, but how unsuccessful could he have been if he refused to do this? John 8, 56 says, your father Abraham, Jesus saying this, your father Abraham, he's speaking to the religious Jews, rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. When did Abraham see Jesus' day? Right here in our reading is one example. He saw Christ crucified and raised from the dead, but he never would have seen that had he said, no, I'm not doing it. That goes against my theology. He didn't fight the word. He bowed to the word. People will say, and I've heard them say this, and there have been times I've said this back in the day. People say, oh, if Jesus were here, pastor right now, and he asked me to stop doing this or start doing that, I'd do it in a heartbeat, yet those same people will see the scripture, and they will not obey it, that means that if Jesus were standing right in front of them and said to do it, they wouldn't do it, they say I would, oh I would, but they'd find a way out of it, no Lord, you don't understand, remember when Jesus told the rich man in Luke 16, uh, he said, Then he said, I beg you, Father, uh, you would send him to my father's house. Uh, Speaking of Lazarus, uh, for I have five brothers that he may testify to them. The rich man's in hell, and he's begging Abraham. "Uh, I don't want them to come to this place of torment. Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. He said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, if they do not hear the word, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. The word is God speaking to you. The word of God is the will of God. The will of God is the word of God. When God's word speaks, that's his will. The question is, what will you do with it? Stephen was preaching. Are you with me? Am I the only one getting some out of this? In Acts chapter 7, Stephen told the religious Jews, now, this is really not the way you want to conclude your sermon. You know, Dan, you want to conclude your sermon with, you know, every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm going to give this altar call in three ways, right? If you've never turned to Jesus in the first day, he doesn't do that. Notice this. He's concluding. He's, you know, he could say, guys, I'm please stand. I'm coming down for a landing right now. And here's his, his last remarks. You stiff-necked... And uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. That's bad enough, but now he brings the daddies into it. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers. Well, you know, that was such a successful closing. They picked up stones and they stoned him and some of them gnashed on him with their teeth. But here's the point. Notice the way he says this. He said, you're just like your dad. You're just like your father. You are resisting the Holy Spirit. Now, their fathers were generations before the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. So how did they resist the Holy Spirit? He said, which of the prophets did they not kill? You resisted the word, therefore you resisted the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, the words I speak, they're, wo- they're spirit and they are life. To walk in the Word is to walk in the Spirit. To walk in the Spirit is to walk in the Word. The life Spirit-filled, charismatic, Pentecostal denominations will kind of delineate. They walk in the Spirit. To them, that means God speaks to them all the time. Their eyes are rolled back in their head, and they speak in tongues constantly. And that's how the Lord leads them. But if He's leading you, quote-unquote, outside of the book, That is not the Holy Spirit. That is of the flesh or of the devil. You're in dangerous territory. To be led of the Spirit is to be led of the Word, and to be led of the Word is to be led of the Spirit. People say, oh, but the letter killeth and the Spirit brings life. And what some people mean by that is the Bible's boring. Holy Spirit is fun. Sounds better with a lisp. I don't know why. That's heresy, and that leads to lunacy becoming unhinged, ungrounded. To walk in the Word is to walk in the Spirit. Stephen said, he knew what he was saying. He was saying, you're just like your parents. They resisted the Word. Now, revelation has come concerning the Holy Spirit, and there has been this event called Pentecost. And the promises to you and to your children, those that are far, and you're resisting the word. Therefore, you're resisting the spirit. Abraham was like, I know what I've believed, and it's gotten me this far, but I'm open, Lord. Bowed the knee, and he saw things he would not have seen otherwise. Uh, I've got. I've got a let me show you something real quick. I think this is fascinating. I call this the ueoli principle. Ueoli, which is use it or lose it. Ueoli. U-i-o-l-i. Use it or lose it. Hebrews chapter 5, and I'll close with this. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. Listen to this. <coughs> For though, by this time, you ought to be teachers. Everybody say teachers. That's imparters. Now he's saying you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles, the word of God. You've come to need milk and not solid food. Everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Solid food belongs to those who are full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Look at chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles, notice verse 12 of chapter 5, the first principles, same thing here, 6-1, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ. Let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of, and he named six things, repentance from dead works, faith towards God, doctrine of baptisms, plural, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God Permits. Use it or lose it. What what do I mean by that? Well, the idea is this they should have been teaching, but they were having to be taught again. They should have been able to teach at least the first principles, but they were in need. They had lost what they already got. Why? You, you use it or lose it. When God shows you something and you fail to act on it, and even when God shows you something and you act on it, and you, especially in the New Testament, the New Covenant, and you fail to share it and impart it to somebody else. Well, I'm not a preacher. I'm not ordained. Go into all the world, you know? Like, you've got an obligation. So when God shows you something and you don't act on it or you don't share it, you will lose the revelation. The you'll lose what you got. Use it or lose it. God said, "Abram, take your son. Offer him as a sacrifice." Had he said no, then he was in danger of losing everything he had. So far. Bottom line is this: Don't sell yourself short. God's got more for you. So I, I I get. I get I just get plum fed up with fat religious Christians. At least they think they are, you know, they're they're stuffed full of word, they think. Like I'm so filled up. I'm I'm so I'm so filled up on God's word. I know all the truth. I've told you about people I've come across that just fat and sassy, like I just know it all. I can tell you things, but you can't show me anything. I just get so tired of that. It's nauseating to me because ain't nobody in this room got it all figured out. Our God is big, he is great now I'm not saying we compromise and we back off from things that he has shown us, but I'm telling you if you don't if you refuse to move forward, you will move backwards. you use it or lose it baby like you there is no neutral ground. you use it or lose it. You got to walk forward as a Christian or you will be pushed back. There's no there's no if ands or buts about it. There's no neutral ground. There's no body on this battlefield that's just eating an ice cream cone and having a good time. It's a battlefield. And you're going to get pushed back or you're going to move forward and take take new ground. Hey, but if God is for us, who can be against us, right? And God wants to reveal himself. It is his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. He wants to reveal himself. He wants to sh- this is not in vain, folks. This is not a useless endeavor. As a matter of fact, with all the goofy, crazy things going on in the world, I'm telling you, it's the Word of God. That's the only thing that's going to stand forever. 20 years from now, 1,000 years from now, everything will be different, but the Word will never change. Amen? Stand with me right now. The Word will never change. It is eternal. It is forever. build your life on the word and take a a hint from Abraham who could have said I've already had Isaac I'm done learning about you Lord I've been following you for 50 years I'm done I love the fact that he said servants come on we have a trip to make where are we going father going to a mountain which one not sure but the Lord has spoken to me. What you gonna do? I, I, I'm not at liberty to discuss it. I'm pondering it in my heart, but it is a tremendous obligation, a responsibility that I have. He's asking a lot of me. I don't understand it, but I'm gonna trust him. I'm gonna follow him. Three days. Abraham, there's the mountain. Stop, boys. Come on, Isaac. I've enjoyed this time we've had together. I've enjoyed breakfast, lunch, and dinner with you. I love you, boy. Get that wood that I chopped up. Let me grab my sword. Let's go up here. Father, I don't understand. uh, There's no lamb. Let me tell you a story, Isaac. I didn't want to say this in front of the servants. This is what the Lord has spoken to me. This is the best I can make of it, Isaac. This is my best explanation. I'm just assuming he's going to have to raise you up, son. Father, man, wow. That's tough. But I've seen you walk with him. I've heard the stories. That's what you feel. I'm with you. I'm terrified, but I'm with you. It's going to be all right, son. You just trust me. That old man, Do you see what I'm saying? That old man, instead of just sitting on his laurels and saying, wow, we've had such great success. He said, I'm not going to stop here. I'm a, I'm a, he could have been retired a hundred and Thirty years old. He's paid in. He'd, he'd be getting ten thousand dollars, twenty thousand dollars a month in social security. You know, I'm paid. I'm I'm set. And he said, "No, trust the Lord in this, and 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 the, and the Lord's revealing, I will raise him up, Abraham. I will raise him up. I will raise him up." And he goes. And the Lord says, stop, now I know you, the angel says that, now I know you fear the Lord. And Abraham gets this revelation, wow, God raises the dead. Not only does he give a child to a dead couple, he can raise the the ashes. Like a phoenix, he can raise the dead. And God said, I'll take that. And I'll up you one. You withheld, you didn't withhold your son. I won't withhold my son. But I will not withhold the wrath either. He'll die. But just like you saw, I'll raise him from the dead. And and I'm closing, I'm done. But listen to this, it's so amazing. The words that came next were different than any of the words that God had spoken to Abraham before The Lord said, Listen, your seed, this was the different part. He said, Your seed will possess the gates of his enemies. He had never said that before. Gates were symbolic of authority and power. You know, Lot was at the gate, he was a city official at the gate. Your seed will possess the gates of his enemies. Jesus said, Upon this rock I'll build my church, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He rose from the dead. He said, all power has been given to me in heaven and on earth. to go in my name. He's been given a name that's above every name, That at the name of Jesus. Every knee would bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord of all to the glory of God the Father. Where did that come from? That old man saying, I won't withhold my son, my only son. And God took all of that and brought about our awesome redemption. What an awesome God we serve. What an awesome illustration of what it means to obey. Your obedience may not end with the redemption of all of mankind, but I'm telling you, God wants to show you something above and beyond where you are right now.